Hello and welcome. This is False Start, a college football podcast for everyone and everyone else. I'm John Bueller, staff writer at fanside.com. I'm joined this week and pretty much every week by my co-host, co-bro, co-pilot, the man, the myth, the legend, the ride, Cody Williams, senior editor at fanside.com. Cody, how the hell are you? I got to be honest, Bueller. Uh, the ride this morning is a little bit like one of those old wooden roller coasters at a crappy theme park. Uh, we're rickety. Uh, the joints are not great, and you're not. You might feel a little unsafe, but uh, other than that, you know, let's get a ticket and let's get on the ride. You know, college football isn't safe. This isn't the NFL. That's why we like it so much. <laughs> so, you know, we're starting this college football season with you with a new endeavor. False start was bred because. We love college football, every part of it, and we want to share that joy with you. Maybe some occasional insight into the dumbest, best sport on the planet. This show will be coming to you twice a week, touching on the stories that matter, but also the ones that might not, but, you know, are still entertaining nonetheless, you know, which is what makes this uh, sport so phenomenal. In typical false start fashion, we'll start each show off with first and 15, which is our big topic of discussion for the day. But then Cody and I will have segments, not that different from what you see on something like PTI, that we can fit virtually any sort of topic into as they arise. Many of these uh, segments are inside jokes, but, you know, we want you to be part of them, you know, help us come up with better ones as the show progresses. So come join this outer circle of college football and enjoy everything we have to offer here on Fall Start. So let's get started with some uh, first and 15. Obviously, we've got some games on tonight. You know, August 31st, the big stuff's coming on Saturday. But um, the game that we were probably the most excited for um, was what uh, unranked Florida going to number 14, Utah. But with Cam, Black Smoke Rising not playing, you know, it's kind of like, you know, your mom's like, we have college football at home. <laughs> That's basically how I feel. Like, I'm going to watch it mostly to watch uh, Florida lose because go dogs. But, um, man. Are you fired up for this game or is this just like just kind of like a letdown to start the weekend off? Uh, I'm I'm fired up in the sense that, you know, week zero got me fired up and there wasn't exactly a great slate of games last week. So, like, I'm fired up because it's college football, but I'm very much less fired up to not get to see Cam rising. I mean, him take him not being in this game really like it boils it down to the fact that we're about to watch a rock fight between these two teams. Like Utah without Cam Rising really doesn't have a dynamic element to their offense. And so Kyle no. Whittingham's just going to try to beat Florida into submission. And I think Billy Napier in this group might get beat into submission because Graham Mertz is playing quarterback. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think this game has honestly become a little sicko mode, which I'm not upset about. I love a good sicko game. Like, We'll get to, we'll touch on one of my sicko games that I'm really excited for this week in a oh, little yeah. bit. But like, I think this is definitely like taking a marquee matchup. Cause I mean, last year's game was thrilling. It wasn't the best football, but it was thrilling. No. But the one thing I remember from that game was everything Utah did was on the back of Cam Rising. And so when you take that element out of this game, I'm not sure it's great. I mean, like, are you excited for this? Before? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm excited about it because, you know, it's going to be, ranked team, you know, playing somebody yeah. trying to avenge a tough loss they had in the swap last year, but the quarterback play kind of sucks, you know, 
Anthony Richardson now plays for the Colts, where your IQ drops 25 points immediately upon going to the building because of one Jim Mersey. The Indianapolis cloud, if you will. But uh, <laughs> but no, but no black smoke, no cam rising out there. He may be like a sixth or seventh year senior, but you know, the fact I have to watch Graham Mertz and some guy I've never heard of play for Utah, I'm not a fan. And to be honest with you, man, I'd take all three Kishka brothers from Greta Van Fleet playing quarterback for Utah over Graham Mertz. I don't think Josh Kishka knows how to throw a football, but I would take him over Graham Mertz because Graham Mertz is like the worst thing to come out of Overland Park since like the worst HR person at Sprint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing about the matchup is when it comes to Mertz, it's like we haven't seen him be good since week one of the 2020 COVID shortened season when he lit up Illinois and everyone was like, oh my God, Wisconsin's got their best quarterback since Russell Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> and then sure enough, they did not. Um, and like, we saw a little bit of uh, Bryson Barnes, who's going to start for Utah in place of Cam Rising. We saw a little bit of him last year when they had that weird game where no one knew Cam Rising was hurt, and then he oh, didn't yeah. play. And, like, he won that game. Like, he led Utah to a win. And so, like, honestly, even though it's Utah's backup, I still think he might be the best quarterback in this matchup. So uh, that kind of tells you where we are on the Gators this season. Yeah, I mean, Graham Mertz had that one really good game versus Illinois during COVID. But like he's, I feel like I'm, you know, we're living in a simulation. I feel like I've already seen this. It was called Jeff Driscoll, just the most overconfident, <laughs> the most overconfident idiot wearing uh, blue and orange, just like doesn't realize how badly he sucks. Maybe he'll go out there. Maybe he'll win the Heisman. Maybe he'll be what Bo Nix was at or- as at Oregon. But you know, the inverse of that. I, I-, I highly doubt it, though. I think Rice Eccles is going to be just electric. So I think the atmosphere is going to be good. But I don't really know if the game's going to be that great but maybe it'll be close who knows i mean i think it could be close just because i think that there's going to be a lot of incompetence on the field so like you know when you don't have your 30 year old quarterback out there to provide the veteran leadership that cam rising can you know you're going to see some sloppy play so but i mean like i said i'm still excited for it uh right if nothing else i think it's going to be the first like real fan atmosphere that we've seen at rice eccles like no offense to the good people of Dublin, but uh, they weren't exactly rocking the house for Notre Dame Navy. And, no. uh, you know, USC, they knew that they were going to kick the piss out of San Jose State, so they weren't exactly thrilled either. So, like, I, I'm excited to see a real college football atmosphere to start the season. Yeah. It's not quite like a sickos bowl game, but it certainly gives off those vibes. Um, sadly enough, I'll just let you guys know, uh, Cody and I are not part of the sickos committee. You know, we, we applied for bids, um, we got hazed and they didn't let us in. So it just, it yeah. sucks, but you know, you can't, you can't, I, I, the fact I like Georgia, they just, they just wanted me to clean up dog poo and I don't really know why they didn't like you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it must've been association. Cause honestly, yeah. like, I mean, I'm a North Carolina fan and like North Carolina might win eight or nine games, but trust me, that's sickos football when you have to watch a team there where you go in and you're like, okay, we have to score 42 or we're screwed. So. <laughs> that's true i always remember that app game that was that was the epitome of what we're going to talk about next so we're going to have like our own special bowl of the week um cody and i are big south park fans and i'm sure you guys are familiar if you watch the show about how important uh antonio banderas is to that series and particularly to the carmen household so you know every week we're going to have something called the antonio banderas bowl of the week basically it's like you're really fired up about this game, but but nobody else really seems to care. You want to go to this game, 
but no one wants to go with you. So, you know, it's not going to be full, but you think the atmosphere is going to be cool. So the only person that you're going to bring with you is um, your blow up Antonio Banderas doll. Who's going to ride shotgun with you, you know, to whatever um, Midwestern or Southeastern uh, football cathedral you can think of. <laughs> is that, did I, did, I just, did I do that justice? I feel like that's oh, yeah. probably the best way to describe this. A hundred percent. We're bringing Zorro with us. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're bringing Zorro with us. Um, I don't know how Melanie Griffith's going to handle this, but you know, she's just going to have to deal. But um, oh, yeah. who is your Antonio Banderas ball of the week? <laughs> uh, so I'm getting a week one seat to Hugh Freeze and I'm watching um, the Minutemen travel down south to Alabama yeah. <laughs> and uh, play Auburn. Uh, so UMass actually picked up their first FBS win in a season opener since the Let's 80s. Let's go Don Brown. <laughs> yeah, Don Brown out here just making things happen. And Honestly, the spread for this game is like Auburn minus 35. Like they're going to win. They're supposed to win by five touchdowns. They honestly might. Like it, there's a good chance that UMass beating New Mexico State means absolutely nothing in week zero. But at the same time, I'm the, I'm intrigued. They have Tyson Fomachan, former five star who was at uh, Clemson and then at Georgia Tech, was not good at either of those places, barely saw the field at Clemson. And, um, but he's such a talent upgrade for the Minutemen. Like, this has been the worst FBS program for like five years running. And it's just they're they've been a sad sack. And so I think after you know you get the real high of coming off the win, the me and Zoro are gonna go watch Tyson Fomachan try to run around an Auburn defense that has talent, but I'm actually not sure is gonna be that good. And then also the sicko in me <clears throat> is really intrigued. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, is really intrigued to see what the Peyton Thorne-led Hugh Freeze offense looks like, because that feels like... It feels like an Applebee's uh, commercial, too. Yeah, Just that like, feels like a paradox. Like, it, that, if I had to pick one quarterback that I saw start last year to run a Hugh Freeze offense, Peyton Thorne's probably outside the top 50. So uh, I'm excited for that. But uh, where are you and Zorro headed this week, Bueller? Who's, what's your Antonio Banderas Bowl of the week? Well, you know... As 30-somethings, we got to talk about a guy who has the soul of a 30-something. You know, the Johnny Cash of college football, the man who's clearly drinking Colt 45s under a bridge somewhere in Houston, JT Daniels. For the third time in his career, the former five-star out of modern day is going to be playing Texas. So it's Rice versus Texas in Austin. I love JT. JT was a good sport. You know, it just sucks mm-hmm. that like he got hurt and really wasn't that athletic. But um, it's so weird. Like he's going to be playing for Rice. Like, what's he trying to prove here, man? I don't know. But um, they what? Who's a uh, their coach is what? Uh, Bloomgren, I think the former like the 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 secret sauce at Stanford. That's why Stanford sucks now. So maybe maybe yeah. Rice will be halfway decent. But um, I am looking kind of forward to like the whole JT versus Sark. JT versus Quinn. Like that's that is a that is a party, dude. And then um they basically make Arch their bitch to go like get them drinks and stuff. You know, oh yeah. Go, go get us some kombucha tea, Arch. <laughs> Arch being from Louisiana, probably not real sure what kombucha is, and he comes back with like I don't know, like probably like some like Mos like canned Moscow mules or something. And they're like, How'd you even buy these? You're 18, brother. <laughs> Well, he, he lost his wallet, which means he lost his ID. So somebody probably just gave it to him. It's true. That's a good point. He lost his wallet again. What's that? The sixth time. 
Yeah, I know. But um, <laughs> it would be so ridiculous if Texas lost this game. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, JT Daniels, he's very, he's an easy target to make fun of. And I surely want to. Like, my man in his Rice picture looks like he's fully aware that he's at Rice after starting his <laughs> career at USC and then going to Georgia. Like, he looks like he's downgraded every transfer that he's made and it shows on his poor face. But, like, whenever he's played, he's not been a bad player. Like, no, he's. He was- yeah, he was good for that one year at USC and the five, six games he played at Georgia. He was he was good. Like he has throws a really great touch. Problem is that West Virginia is just an absolute grease fire. Like Rice is yeah. a better program than West Virginia right now, which is unbelievable to say. It really is. I mean, you know, well, I'm I will touch on this throughout the season, undoubtedly. But I mean, Neil Brown, a hot seat candidate number one, right there. Like and I think, you know, you can, if you want to point to one thing, if JT Daniels is like anything that elevates Rice even a little bit, then like that's like firing fodder for Neil Brown. Yeah. Cause he's already, he's already pretty much cooked. I mean, Shane Lyons is out. Ren Baker didn't fire him. Ren Baker has got to have like the worst job ever. He's got to deal with the Huggins Wars. <laughs> oh my God. And then, uh, what if JT goes out there and like ends up being like the best group of five quarterback? But um, I guess he's I guess he's gonna be the one guy that we we think about with the transfer portal. Like he he got after he was like the Larry King of the transfer portal. Oh, Larry <laughs> King of the transfer portal. Put it he's on the same stone. Oh my god. So speaking of the portal, um, one of the things we saw this week, one of the one of the big topics throughout the college football offseason has been the Ohio State quarterback battle. You know, we've yeah. got Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, really battling to see who's going to step up in, uh, into C.J. Stroud's shoes. Um, Ryan Day announced this week that Kyle McCord's getting the start in week one against Indiana. Uh, he said that Devin Brown will play, but it looks like McCord's getting the first shot, which is kind of what we expected. But, uh, you know, top portal to me is this segment, you know, do you think that this is going to lead to Devin Brown transferring? And if so, like, where do you think he could actually end up if that happens? Well, I think the first thing is like, nobody's transferring right now. Like he's going to sit there and back up uh Kyle McCord for this season. Um, McCord yeah. should have won this job from the start. I mean, like he was high school teammates with Marvin Harrison Jr., the mm-hmm. best wide receiver in the country. But, like, the fact that, like, Devin Brown pushed him that much as a four-star coming out of, I believe, Draper, Utah, with only, like, 18 offers, you know, he played up. And the fact that, like, he almost got the starting job to replace C.J. Stroud at a place like Ohio State, you'd venture to guess that, like, he's probably good enough to start at probably 55-plus Power 5 programs, which kind of leads me to believe, like, if he does transfer, it's only going to be P5. Mm-hmm. But um, I did write about this a little bit for fansided.com, three places where I think he could transfer to. And um, I'm going to list them out real quick. Um, see if you like any, maybe you've got uh, some other leanings that I'm not thinking about. Uh, first one I had was Oklahoma because mm-hmm. Jeff Levy was a primary recruiter for him at, at Ole Miss, which was one of three places he visited, USC, Texas, and Ole Miss. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Ole Miss. Yes, Ohio State. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, he visited. He visited Ole Miss when Jeff Levy was there with Lane Kiffin. So I don't really trust 
Brent Venables, but Levy could be a head coach next year. Maybe he follows him there. Yeah. Second one is Purdue, and that's all about Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell mm-hmm. was his primary recruiter at USC on a Clay Helton staff. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on like how long Hal Hudson Card is going to play in West Lafayette, maybe he goes there, plays for Ryan Walters, and then obviously Ole Miss with Lane, who's yeah. already re- hits the portal so hard looking for um, sloppy seconds, man. Lane, oh, yeah. Lane has no shame. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. That's one thing that man does not uh, have in abundance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no shame, no game. <laughs> Um, but no, I think I think all three of those places make sense for what you said. Like, you know, there's connections there. Um, he was recruited by Arizona, which is obviously a little closer to home than those in than those spots. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I it's kind of looking like Jaden Deloria is probably gone after the season. And Jed Jed Fish has done a really good job with smart transfers, which this would kind of fit into me. But where I really come down on this is a, starting with what you said, this decision, if he does choose to transfer, isn't going to come anytime soon, um, like minimum four weeks, because he is playing in week one. Like there's a good ch- like, I mean, not a good chance. Sorry, that's the wrong way to say this. But there's a chance, like a non-zero chance that Kyle McCord comes out. And the reason he was pushed is because he's just not it, you know. And right. so if he comes out and he's not it against an Indiana team that is dog water, like Devin Brown's going to get his shot. And if he does anything, this could be his job by week two. So like, sure. I think he's and like the way he's pushed in this competition. I don't see foresee him like, you know, throwing in the towel or anything like that. So like, I think this is not set in stone. We could be talking about Kyle McCord transfer tra- destinations eventually, which I think might, if he loses his job, might be a much, uh, much less impressive list of potential destinations. <laughs> but, um, I just – I don't see him transferring. And honestly, given how close this competition was, and from what I've read, Devin Brown as a prospect – or as a recruit was much like – he was much more raw than a guy like McCord. McCord was supposed yeah. to be more polished. And, like, Brown more or less was still learning how to be a passer at a college level, like a Division One level. And so, like – like, but he's a great athlete. And so, like, I think there's an uh, at least an outside chance, which is – lessened in the NIL era, but I think there's an outside chance that he could even stick around and try to push McCord again next next offseason. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the dichotomy we saw in Texas about five or six years ago. Mm, Obviously, yeah. Texas had the more defined guy in Champichel, and then they had the more raw, the big, strong, strapping man who runs the ball in Sam Ellinger, but eventually... <laughs> Sam Ellinger just um, dieseled his way in there and Shane Bouchel transferred. And, you know, he went to SMU and had, had a good success. But well, if McCord were to leave, like where he goes, he goes to Pitt, play for Nard Dog. <laughs> well, welcome, brother. You're in Temple, dude. <laughs> welcome. Here's how you hand the ball off for good day. <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of handing the ball off, that's going to be what the SEC is going to be doing this weekend. They're going to be leading in a lot of games because – Outside of LSU playing Florida State and Orlando, it's a bunch of nothing. It's a bunch of UT Martins. Um, I don't even want to like look at it. They could probably say like, well, like Arkansas is playing like roast beef tech or Panera Bread or you know whatever it is. But there's like three games that kind of matter in the SEC. But uh, man, it's just it sucks that like it's this is the weekend to go get it because we got the NFL next weekend. And college football once again just doesn't understand. This is your this is your window to win it. 
and you don't, and I don't understand it. It just, I am, I am like losing my brain. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I just don't understand this, Cody. Help me make sense of this nonsense. Uh, so I can make because it don't mean of, enough. Apparently, it, it, dude, it don't mean enough to these people. <laughs> so, like, the only one that I can, in my opinion, feasibly understand in terms of scheduling more or less a cupcake is Alabama playing middle Tennessee because they play Texas next week. So, right. and like, and like, even if they didn't know they were going to have a quarterback battle, you want that tune up game before you play arguably the biggest game on your schedule, even outside of the sec, like even including the sec, like I'm, we're both high on Texas. Like that could be a call, like a matchup to get into college football playoff in week two, legitimately. No question. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I understand that, but like, You've got Georgia hosting UT Martin. You've got Mississippi State hosting Southeast Louisiana. Auburn hosting UMass, which we've already talked about. Ole Miss hosting Mercer. Arkansas, who you mentioned, hosting my boys from Western North Carolina. Shout out, Cullen. Got them out. Yeah. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and, like, there are two games that are probably would probably get pushed back in terms of training wheels. South Carolina and North Carolina, Battle of the Carolinas. Like, that's obviously a big game. But, I mean, like, I'm not sure that outside of Carolinas, anyone actually cares about that game. Is like, it for the mayonnaise? Like, is it for the mayonnaise? Yeah. Oh, it's for the mayonnaise. It's the Duke's Mayo Classic. You know, <laughs> bring your turkey and cheese. We're slapping this game on a sandwich. It's lather up, <laughs> lather it up, man. You know, for whatever reason, uh, Shane Beamer and Mike Mac Brown just can't avoid the inevitable, which is just Charlottean <laughs> mayonnaise. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the Hornets' nest, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like, but like, honestly, like outside of the Carolinas, I'm not sure anyone cares about these two teams. And like, more, more importantly, like on a national scope, they're like in like the tier, like bottom of tier two, bottom or top of tier three in terms of programs this season, in my opinion. And so like in in the power five, I should say. And like, so that game is going to be sold big, but I'm not sure it's actually that big. And I say that as a North Carolina fan, like I'm not. I don't have delusions of grandeur about this. And then I'm sure at one point when Virginia and Tennessee scheduled to play in uh, Nashville, uh, that was looked like a big game back when Bronco Mendenhall had, you know, Virginia humming to a bowl game, eight wins every single season. Oh, yeah. Uh, but now Virginia might be the worst Power 5 team going against the Hypo offense that shows no mercy <laughs> at all. And, like, that's going to be honestly, even with all these cupcake opponents, that could be the ugliest game that we see. It's it's going to be in Nashville, and I I would guess this is at Nissan Stadium, so yeah. they're going to be playing on that craptastic turf in front of the worst uniforms in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans, which is just looks like toothpaste. <laughs> but but my God, like I have thoughts about Josh Heupel. You know, both he and I gained um, what eighty pounds since two thousand, but I was also ten. <laughs> and then uh and then tony elliott oh tony mm, I, I don't tone. think people i don't think people understand he might be the acc's version of hugh jackson like he's a really cool liar he's like yeah i almost <laughs> got that i almost got that tennessee job and then danny white's like no the hell you didn't i didn't offer it to you that's not an offer and an interview are not the same thing those are mutually exclusive entities bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like uh me like visiting the Dallas Cowboys stadium and being like, yeah, they almost made me the new OC. Like, no, bro, that's not how that went down. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. It's it's like me going to Athens and like going to like, I don't know, 
generals or something or or uh Boris Head's like, you know, they're gonna make you a statue of me and they're gonna put it in the middle of like North Campus and they're gonna walk around and people are gonna like pay tribute to me. But man, like you are right though. I think UVA might just suck. I think the only program that might be worse than is Virginia Tech, because I don't know if I don't know if Brent Pry knows how to like tie his shoes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like <laughs> I can't wait for that game into the season, you know, rivalry game when we get the uh, much, much anticipated quarterback matchup of Virginia's Tony Musket with uh, Marshall transfer Grant Wells suiting up for the Hokies. Um, That's going to be a battle of futility that I can't wait to see. Uh, But speaking of futility, there are some people that think that what Coach Prime is coming with in year one at Colorado as he takes over as head coach is futility. They think there's no way, you know, bringing in 50 transfers and like literally just building the entire roster through the transfer portal and telling everyone else on the bus to kick rocks is going to work. Then you have the other side of the coin where people are like, oh, Shador Sanders, you know, he was recruited by more than just Jackson State. Like he's a legit quarterback. Um, and you know, they've got Travis Hunter, former number one recruit in the country. You know, there's talent there, and they think that Colorado is going to surprise some people. Uh, they open this week, week one, their season, the Deion Sanders era with TCU. I gotta ask you, Bueller, do host or do host, which is a play on a uh, Romstein song, which Romstein, excuse me, I apologize, my, my lack of uh, do host with two s's on that one for me. <laughs> But uh, Duhas with one S basically means, do you love this? And Duhas with two S's uh, means, do you hate this? Good old German language for you. Uh, so, Bueller, the Coach Prime era beginning, will it work? Duhas or Duhas? Duhas, baby. Oh. Uh, yes, I'm I'm pro. First off, Deion Sanders is my favorite player of all time. I interviewed him back in June on behalf of KFC. It was a finger finger looking good interview. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he like he like the fact that I said like issued her playing up. He was like, no, he's just fine. I'm like, that's great. But yeah, like, are you is your son as good as like Cam Ward? Is he as good as Drew Pine? Is he as good yeah. as Jaden Rashad? I don't know. But I think success for CU is going to be a lot like Lance Leipold, Eric Kansas. Mm-hmm. I that's just now kind of come to me like. Initially, I'm like, oh, I think this team can go six and six, but I think the Arizonas are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably U of A versus ASU. I think ASU is going to be really bad. I think it's like Kenny Dillingham's like coaching a team that's he's my age coaching a team. Yeah. <laughs> Jaden Rashada, you th- could you imagine me having to like tell like an 18 year old what to do? Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be so bad. Um, but um, yeah, I think eventually, like, it's going to work just because. He's going to flip the roster around so quickly. And I feel like everybody at Boulder is pulling in the same direction. So I think it's going to pop probably by year two. It may take a little bit longer, but he'll have a few signature victories here and there. Like he could be, I guess, maybe not maybe this year, but like you look at like something in the Big 12, like maybe they knock off K-State and like, oh, okay, we're back. We've got a traditional rival. Let's go, baby. What about you? How do you feel about how do you feel about Prime? Are you do host or do host? Does this have your attention or do you hate this? So I'm do host tentatively, uh, okay. with with one S there. So I I actually think so. One of the things people who specifically like I'm I, you know, I follow a lot of like 
vetting people and stuff like that. Cause I'm in a little bit in that world, but um, one of the things, a lot of people are taking the under on Colorado this year or were the juices made it impossible to do so now, but a lot of people were taking the under and one of the big reasons was their non-conference schedule. You know, they open with TCU and then they play Nebraska who should be rejuvenated under Matt rule. And they're like, you know, Colorado's just not ready to hang with these teams. I actually lean to the fact that he might push the, like his early non-conference schedule more so than we're expecting and surprising people and really like get some excitement going in Boulder. But my worry for this team, particularly this is specifically in year one is when you build a team through the transfer portal, the first thing that suffers is depth. And so as soon as injuries start piling up for this team, like I'm not predicting the Shador Sanders injury. Like Dion said that Shador's literally never missed a game. So like, I'm not going to go against history on that one. Like he's going to, I, you can't bet on yeah, that. I don't but think like, I don't think yes. he's pooped either. He's never, he's never broken a law. He's perfect. He seems he's, he is a terrific angel sent from Jackson state. <laughs> he saved he's, Colorado football. <laughs> He's the Jackson State Precious Moments doll. It's a, it's a great <laughs> scene. Um, but no, I like I think as soon as like particularly like in the trenches when they get into Pac-12 play, when you start seeing those injuries pile up, like I think that's when we're going to see Colorado kind of like oh, falter yeah. and bottom out maybe a little bit this season. But long term, I'm bought into Coach Prime. Like no one thought he was going to be able to do at Jackson State what he was able to do. Granted, like the level of competition was nothing. The SWAC is one of the worst, you know. Uh, FCS conferences that you're going to see like they could just beat the absolute piss out of everyone in that conference with just based on talent alone so like my big question is when you get into you know this big boy level of college football is Deion Sanders like up to snuff as a coach but I know as like a recruiter a salesman and someone who like you said has gotten this entire Colorado athletic program like pulling in his direction like the fact that they hired him is enough indication that they're willing to change the way they're doing things. Like previously they had some pretty like stringent academic, you know, requirements to get in and especially yeah, for transfers. Exactly. And those have clearly like gone by the wayside. So he could get some of these guys in who were basically cast offs for, you know, academic or character reasons. And so like to take those chances to improve the talent on this roster. So I think like, when you take that situation and you see that Colorado is shifting towards his ability to get talent in there and like leaning into it, I think long-term that's going to build up the talent base in Colorado in a way we haven't seen since uh, the eighties, nineties, like nineties. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think we're going to see Colorado actually build up a talent base, but I near one, I think we're about to see a hot start and then a quick flame out. <laughs> Look, could you imagine if they show up against TCO and it gives off like Bishop Sycamore vibes? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but you are absolutely right, though. Like, they're going to be fine. I think the offense is going to be humming. I think the fact yeah. that you have uh, Sean Lewis as the OC, mm-hmm. they're going to put Shadow Sanders in positions to succeed. They could probably win upwards of maybe five or six games if it goes well. But the problem is, like, you know, once the, the, the line meet is decimated, like mm-hmm. imagine them going up against Utah, like at the end of the season. Oh my god! It's just it's just going to be like I'm not I'm not even going to say it. It's going to be like um, something out of a Tarantino movie, just ripping oh, through yeah. a lot. It's going to be just absolutely <laughs> gory and graphic. Yeah. Probably Oregon too, but I mean the Pac-12's finesse. It's absolutely not going to be USC. I'll tell you that much. 
Oh, watch, no. watch, watch them watch them beat USC and Caleb throws for like 6,000 yards and still wins the highest trophy, which at that point you shouldn't. Your team needs to win nine games. Like, shut up. I don't care. But, um, yeah. you know, I don't think that anything with Colorado, it's going to be fun, but there's one thing that's yeah. absolutely not going to happen. They're not going to be a contention for the New Year's Six. They're not going to be going to Vegas. <laughs> if, they, if they're even fighting for a bowl spot, they'll be doing good. Yeah. So we got one more segment for you guys. Uh, this one's kind of more of our rankings thing. And the theme, it's called Fell Out of Boo Corrigan's Apple Tree. Obviously, Bill Cor- Boo Corrigan is the NC State uh, AD. He's also the face of the selection committee. Um, but that's also a playoff of, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird and mostly Mr. Deeds, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, we all, we all, we all loved um, Winona Ryder back in 2002. I'll tell you that much. But um, we all love a good sock change, too. We all love a good sock change. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody messes with the Jesus. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to finish up with this. Uh, obviously, with week one being this weekend, Cody and I are going to give you, you know, our P5 conference championship matchups as well as who makes the playoff and know our favorite team out of the year six. If we want to throw in a couple of other awards things, we'll do that too. Heisman, Royals, whatevs. So let's start with this. Uh, Cody, who do you got coming out of the big 12? So big 12, um, as I briefly mentioned earlier, um, I've got Texas coming out of the big 12. I've got them. Hook them, baby. Hook Hook them, baby. baby. I mean, (laughs) I, I know I'm setting myself up for immense pain in this situation, but I've got them beating Kansas, uh, Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. I just think when you look at this Texas roster, it's the best roster that we've seen under Sark. And if Sark is anything as a head coach, specifically with what they've done in the trenches on both sides of the ball, I think they can just out physical everyone in the Big 12 if Sark's a good coach. And that's basically what I'm banking on is that Sark is – I'm not even saying he's Nick Saban or Kerber Smart or anything in that stratosphere. Like, I just need you to be confident, my man. And as if he's – I'm betting on Sark being confident, then that's where we're at. What about you? Who who do you have in the Big 12? Uh, same, Texas over K-State. Yeah. I like, I still think Chris Kleiman's the best coach in the conference. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Sark. I want to see Sark succeed. I just think it's going to come down to Quinn Ewers is going to be better than Will Howard. And – um. Ewers will be, be able to like overcome some of Sark's coaching inefficiencies to the point where like mm-hmm. he'll get the confidence to be like, okay, I am a good coach. Yeah. I don't know if they play each other during the regular season. I'm not sure, but like if they do, like I would see that being like the one loss Texas would have, assuming mm-hmm. they beat Bama in conference play. So like, yeah, I would say I feel pretty good about Texas uh winning the Big 12 and going to like the Sugar Bowl or something like that. Also so, to clarify, November 4th in Austin, we got that game. Ema versus Hook'em. Let's go, baby. That's right, baby. That's got game day written. That's got game day written all over it. Dude. Oh, God. That's going to be a fun game day, too. <laughs> all right. So, who would pro- in normal years, the Big 12 champion would play the SEC champion in the Sugar Bowl, but the Sugar Bowl is now part of the playoffs. Let's go to, let's go to my neck of the woods. Um, I would venture to guess we probably have the same team coming out of the East. The West may be a little different. Who you got, Cody? Yeah, um, if you don't have Georgia coming out of the East, I'm not really sure what schedule you're looking at. I mean, not only do I pretty clearly think Georgia's the most talented team in the country, but they play a Charmin soft schedule. So, like, it could be a pretty coast 
like a pretty easy coast into 12 and 0. So I have Georgia and then I have them playing LSU. Uh, I have okay. LSU getting back. Um, I mean, they did it last year. They returned most of their key pieces. So I'm big on that, but I still think it's the same result in the SEC championship game. Uh, Georgia over LSU. Georgia goes into the playoff undefeated one seed. What about you? Do you have your dogs? Yeah, I'm not David Ubbin. I'm not going to pick Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's 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 Georgia, like coming out of the East. Like they're going to already clinch a playoff spot being 12 and 0 at that point. But I differ from you there. I think it's going to be Bama instead mm. of LSU, just because like I don't see Nick Saban losing to Brian Kelly in LSU two years in a row. I believe that game is going to be in Tuscaloosa. I yeah. think Bama probably drops a game, maybe Texas. Maybe to someone like Ole Miss, maybe AMs, someone, heck, maybe even Tennessee. Like yeah. They'll lose it. They'll, they'll be like 11 and one kind of going into this game. But I think, I just, I just feel that like whoever Georgia plays at quarterback, I think Beck is just Carson Beck's better than anybody they've got right now. Maybe, maybe Ty Simpson's the best of all of them talent wise. I just don't think he's going to get there yet. So yeah. I anticipate Georgia beating Alabama and getting to the playoff and getting that one seed. So, that would be – that's kind of how I feel there. Um, yeah. Let's move over to your neck of the woods. Let's go some ACEC, you know, where they do more than shoot hoops and turn left, apparently. Uh, it's arguable. <laughs> so, uh, in the ACC, uh, I'm not going home or pick. Uh, you know, I don't think North Carolina is going to be in contention for the ACC championship uh, with the defensive dudes who play like me uh, filled it out there under Gene Chizik. Uh, but I do have uh, Florida State – beating Clemson in the ACC championship game. Um, I'm still not convinced that the Clemson experiment is totally going to work. I think with Garrett Riley coming in, like I understand the hype behind the offense, but I still worry about the requisite talent to compete against a team like a Florida state um, because the wide receiver talent, like, Everyone's like, all oh, these guys were highly recruited. You know, they were four stars, five stars, whatever. But, like, I understand the offense was part of this, but we haven't seen them do anything at the college level. No. Yeah, and so, like, I understand Will Shipley's great. Like, love Will Shipley. Cade Klubnick showed me a lot at the end of last season, but we've also never seen him as a full in a full season as a starter. Um, so, I'm just not sold on Clemson necessarily being, you know, a playoff contender necessarily. And I think Florida State is for sure a playoff contender. They returned basically everyone from a 10-win team last year. And they returned guys like Jared Verse, who would have been a top 20 pick in the NFL draft, and came back because he had unfinished business at Florida State. When you have that kind of mentality from a team and a team leader on defense, that's something I'm buying into because that's someone who knows that this team is capable of something special. What about you, though? Do you see it similar, or do you have Clemson, uh, you know, riding the cult all the way to the ACC championship? I'm right there with you. Florida State over Clemson all day. Let's go. Um, I have Florida State making the playoff. I have them beating LSU in uh, Orlando on Sunday night. Yeah. My favorite, I think for me, with Florida State versus Clemson, it's really a combination. Like, it's going to be – it's going to be a change of guard in the ACC. It's going to show mm-hmm. that, like – Mike Norvell is going to do what it takes to win, whereas Dabo is just going to be going like riding on his laurels of like, you know, holier than thou, like, you know, mm-hmm. being very faith centric. And that's great. And that's awesome. And there's a lot of people that want to go play there. But like the three best players on Florida State are Jared Verse, transferred from Albany. Uh, Trey Vincent, I forget where he transferred from. And uh, Jordan Travis transferred from Louisville, albeit before yeah. Mark Norvell got there. But like 
yeah, you're talking about Jared Varys being a top five pick in the NFL draft. And I've got Jordan Travis as my Heisman runner up. And um, Alex Atkins is going to win the Burles. That's I'm very, you know, he's going to be the, oh, yeah. he's going to be head coach next year. I don't know where he's going to go, but like he could probably, maybe he probably takes over for Tony Elliott and BBA. Probably, probably, <laughs> yeah. probably better than that. But like, yeah, I think Alex Atkins is, is a rising star in the coaching profession. But yeah, Florida State over Clemson all day. Florida State's going to be a playoff team. I think we got a little bit of a different stuff here in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is just, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's wide open, but there's a lot of really good teams there. Who are you leaning for that conference? Yeah, so one of my big like storylines for the Big Ten is particularly when you look at Ohio State and Michigan, who it's just traditionally been like, who, whoever wins that game is going to the conference championship. I think we have another contender in there this year. Oh, and I, I have them coming out of the East, and – I have Penn State beating Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I think top to bottom, Penn State has the best roster in this conference. Um, it's just a ton of future pros, man. You got Chop Robinson leading the defensive line. You got guys like Kalen King in the secondary, and then you go into the uh, you go to the offense. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They have um, Singleton in the back in the backfield, and then the big key is Drew Lar. I mean, yeah. he's a he's all world recruit all the hype around him. James Franklin's playing these mind games. Like he's not naming a starter. I was, I looked at that and I was like, okay, man, like no one's buying this. Like drew large, your guy. And if he lives up to any, like even 85% of that, I think the requisite talent around him is good enough to be the Ohio state team that has questions at quarterback has questions on the offensive line has had questions on defense in the past few years, a Michigan team that for all the good that Harbaugh's done there, that team makes itself susceptible in ways like they they lost the TCU in the playoff last year. A team that they should they had no business even being in a ball game with, and so like I just think that Michigan puts itself in too many bad positions that I don't think Penn State is going to put itself in. And then for Wisconsin, I'm this isn't a Luke Fickle thing as much as it is a Phil Longo thing. I think okay. Wisconsin's just going to catch a lot of people by surprise with that offense with Tanner Mordecai coming in from SMU, like. I think this is a team that is going to still have the run game with Braden Allen and have the line meet pushing people around, but they're also going to have that dynamic passing element that Phil Longo, I mean, he was a great offensive coordinator at North Carolina. He just didn't get really get the credit because the defense gave it right back every single time. So like, I just see them really making a statement in the West, but you're very different on me in both of these scenarios. So tell me who you got in the big Ten. I got a rematch of the uh, 2021 Big Ten Championship. Yeah, I've got Michigan versus Iowa. Milk and yeah. corn, baby. Milk, Milk and, and corn. corn. It is the, the Big Ten energy emanating out of Indianapolis is just like, I'm just, I am just sweating out cheese curds, <laughs> man. I am just, I am like, I, I need to, I need to take some like St. Elmo's uh, uh, shrimp cocktail to the dome, bro, just to get me, get me through this stuff. It's going to be great. But yeah, I think Michigan is just too talented for, to lose more than one game, even if they do split with like Penn state or Ohio state, I kind of wonder, you know, with the quarterback stuff with um, Ohio state, I think also the fact that like Brian Hartline is going to be OC. I think that's a Mm -hmm. big underrated storyline with uh, Kevin Wilson taking over at Tulsa. That's going to be an issue. I mean, I think Hartline's a great coach and recruiter, but this isn't just wide receivers. He's got to do the whole offense with new quarterbacks there. And then yeah. for Penn State, I just 
I don't really trust James Franklin. I just feel like I just feel like there's going to be a game where his massive ego is going to get in the way. It's going to cost him there. Like he'll fiddle fart around and do something stupid like that six like OT game with uh, Brett Bielema and oh, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> like God, just, oh yeah, like drop some stupid game to like uh, Talia Tungavaloa and the Terps, and then Mike Loxley goes out there and just has like a crab. Has like an old bay crab bath just for the ages, and they get <laughs> terps, terps like terps are coming, man. They come. They're gonna be like a top like twenty team, but yeah. And then Iowa, mm. yes. Uh, as much as we hate this, this is gonna be like our 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 good friend Brian is gonna average twenty five point one points per game of combined offensive production. Granted, Phil Parker's defense is probably gonna get them like seven points a game. Oh, absolutely. Anything, anything like LeVar Woods gives him two. Like, I think Cade McNamara is good enough to not be Spencer Petras or Alex Padilla. Like, it's just the lowest bar of all time, but correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like trying to clear a stick on the ground. That's that's where the floor is. At. <laughs> but like Iowa's going to do enough to be like ten and two and win the Big Ten West, and it's just going to be just so unbelievably eye gougingly painful to watch. But like they'll they'll beat Purdue, like they'll have the head to head over them. Wisconsin, I don't know if the defense is quite there. I don't know. Like they'll probably they'll probably they could lose to Wisconsin or something like that. But like they'll get there, and then they'll lose to like Michigan, like fifty to three. And then Brian Ferentz will be and, and the Ferentz will be like, oh, we're so cool. You know, we got another like championship division banner that we're going to hang out there with the uh, the, <laughs> the the flying meat sleeves over there at uh, at Kinnick. But um, yeah, I think the funniest outcome for. Iowa is Brian actually doesn't hit the 25 point per game mark yes. and they still win the West. Like that would be the most hysterical thing for it's like, I like, I think it'd be even like the more I think about it, like I've joked about 24.9 before, like that would be the funniest. I think it'd be even funnier if it was like sub 20, like yeah. if they want, if they average like 19 and a half points per game and they still won the West, that would be incredible. <laughs> Yeah, Tarmac and Indy like Carson Wentz would be great. Oh, yes. <laughs> and um, obviously, I declare I don't care no more. That's kind of how the Pac-12 is. It's, it's you know, it's terminal over there. It sucks. But it's going to be one one hell of a great last final season there. I think we're kind of yeah. leaning the same way with the Pac-12 in some capacities. But who do you got, who do you got playing in Vegas, baby? Uh, Vegas, baby. We've got uh, the Pacific Northwest coming down for a little, you know, Sin City trip. Uh, I've got Washington over Oregon. Um, what I saw from USC against San Jose State has me uh, a little concerned that they're going to be anything this year. Alex Grinch, uh, I believe we've joked, uh, is the Grinch that's going to steal Caleb Williams' Christmas. So, like, we're going to, they're going to have a bad time. And I was actually looking yesterday at the back half of their schedule. It's, obscenely brutal they play at notre dame and then they play washington oregon and utah in within their last six games and they have a week three bye so like they're not getting a break in any of that so like i just don't see them surviving that to come out in the big 12 or in the pac-12 uh championship game but i am big on washington i mean we saw them last year they were basically they i'm pretty sure they lost a tiebreaker from being in the big 12 or the i keep saying big 12 pac-12 championship game last year and this year they return basically everything. Like they have 2000 yard receivers back with Michael Penix. I think Kalen DeBoer is the real deal, man. Kalen DeBoer, like 
everywhere he's been, his offense has hummed, and he's brought that team more success immediately than people expected. And I think we're just going to see that continue with even more talent. And then Oregon, look, I'm not a Bo Nix guy. In fact, you could call me a Bo Nix hater. I really don't like the guy. Bodacious, get out of my face. But Bo for four versus Georgia. That's all I need to say. Exactly. Honestly, I wish they were playing Georgia again so we could make it over five just for, you know, S and G's. But uh, <laughs> uh, end of the day, like, I think Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning knows what he's doing. And like, I am a little slightly worried about the loss of Kenny Dillingham because I think he was definitely a little bit of the secret sauce that got Bo going last definitely. year. And so I'm a little, I think the offense might actually take a slight step back, but I think the defense is actually going to take a step forward in year two under landing. So I just think that the defense is going to carry them through to the Pac-12 championship game, but I'm, I'm much more convicted on Washington than I am Oregon for sure. Like I think Washington's winning the Pac-12, whoever they beat is kind of up for debate and that kind of leads into yours. So who do you have in the Pac-12 title game? I got you dub going to Vegas and winning um, all about Washington this year. They're probably going to be about 10 and two when they get there. They're going to like lose, they'll lose like one, like they'll lose to like Wazoo or something like that. Yeah. And they have a tough schedule too. Yeah. Like I have Penix winning um, the Heisman Trophy and being a top, top 20 pick in the next year's draft. Um, Oh, yeah. Kalen DeBoer is the real deal. I'm all about UW. Like they're going to go to like, I don't know. It's because it's not the Rose Bowl, but they'll go to like the Fiesta Bowl. Like they'll play like near six. I think. Oh, yeah. And I've got them as my first team out. And I'm a little bit different for who's meeting them. There, I think for the second year in a row, uh, Jonathan Smith's Beavs are going to win the Strife Aquatic. Uh, oh, baby! Yeah, damn it um, up, let's go Beavs! Yeah, um, Dan Lanning's uh, awesome rib tat of his wife is going <laughs> to is going to be crying because <laughs> um, <laughs> you know losing to DJ Uyunglele just like what comes full circle. Like Dan Lanning's defense is the reason that Georgia beat Clemson back in oh, 2021, yeah. and then it's just. There's the the block hand the block handed idiot good quarterback he probably will get benched but Jonathan Smith's oh, yeah. such a good coach like uh, Oregon State's probably going to be about ten and two they'll probably be about ten and three but I think the big thing for me is like yes they have all those upgrades but obviously they're going to be without a conference they're probably going to go to the Mountain West would it yeah. shock you if he replaced Brent Venables at OU? I had not considered that but that would make a lot of sense because Oklahoma, whether, and I think it would honestly depend on Oklahoma admitting to themselves that they're going to have to overachieve what they have to compete in the SEC, which I think is the truth, but I think they have to admit that to themselves and get out of there. You know, we're the Sooners, you know, we, we've dominated college football for decades. Like they're going to have to get out of that mindset to compete in the SEC. But I think Jonathan Smith's a great guy to do that because he, a, he's great at identifying talent to compete, like, in the recruiting battles in the SEC. Like, he may not get as many five stars once he's in the SEC when he's competing in those recruiting circles, but – or Oklahoma might, excuse me, might not. But, like, Jonathan Smith has proven he can take a three-star and make him play like a five-star. And yeah. particularly in the trenches where we've seen Oregon State – like, I mean, that's the secret sauce for or for the Bees. Like, they're going to beat the hell out of you in the trenches, man. And no one in the Pac-12 is doing that. And so it works really well in the Pac-12. But, I mean, like, if you're going to compete in SEC, you also have to be stout in the trenches. So, like, that's something I hadn't considered that I am thoroughly intrigued by and will not be able to get out of my head for the next six months. No, it's like if Venables doesn't work, you would think, okay, maybe they go with Levy. He's an, a, he's an OU alum. 
Yeah. Maybe that'll work, but obviously I think the connection with Arb Riles is something that he's going to have to overcome, which is why I would say if he's going to be a head coach, he'd probably have to go G5 level first. It's It sucks. He's yeah. probably ready, but like – you know, it'll, it'll, I mean, if, if, if intervals doesn't make it, it's going to end up being someone like Jonathan Smith or like Jeff Trailer. That's who I feel. Yeah. But like, we're looking at the G5. Like, it's like the last little bit here. Who do you got? Who do you got one of the G5 this year? Who do you feel? Who do you feel coming up there being the, being this year's Greenies? So I actually have this team actually beating the Greenies in week one. And that's South Alabama. Uh, oh. The South Alabama Jags, they opened the season with Tulane, uh, I believe on Saturday. And I, they're only six and a half point underdogs, but I have them winning that game. Uh, South Alabama on this is where I get a little nerdy and statty, but like on a per play basis in terms of, you know, uh, EPA per play and stuff like that, they were like less than a, like they were so comparable to Tulane last year, who was the best group of five team bar none. And I think like people are going to pick Tulane because of what they did last year, because Michael Pratt's back. And they're losing what I considered the heartbeat of that team and Tajay Spears. Like he yeah. did so much to open up everything for Pratt, for the offense. And just like, I think Willie Fritz is a great coach. Like Tulane's still going to be a good team, but South Alabama, who was a team that won 10 games last year, pretty quietly out of the Sun Belt, they returned basically everyone from that offense. Like they lost Jalen Wayne, who was all talent, but he was actually like not their leading receiver last year. And they returned 200 to 800 yard receivers. They returned a quarterback who threw for almost 3,500 yards last year. They returned with Damian Webb at uh running back. They returned most of their defense. That was solid, not great, but solid. And I just think that the Sun Belt is actually going to be a little weaker this year. They should have won the Sun Belt last year. They played a rock fight against Troy and Troy beat him, I think, 10-7 in that game. And that put Troy in the Sunbelt Championship game instead of them. But I think I think we see that narrative turn with a little more experience. And yeah, go Jags. Let's go. Yeah, man. Uh, you're the Jags, both collegially and professionally. Um it's it's uh, their their head coach is uh, is what Kane Womack, the guy yeah. formerly at uh Indiana, which is uh Kalen DeBoer, which makes you wonder like, were they just propping up Tom Allen back in COVID with uh, yes. stuff? Yes, um, that, that, I'm not going to. Yes. I'm not going to beat around the bush on that. Yes, correct. Um, but, but for me, I'm going to go with another coach I've been very fond of for a long time. I'm going to go. I'm going to mount up. I'm going to, uh, you know, do some pony there with Pony Express with uh, Brett Lashley's SMU Mustangs. Oh, get the Trans Am ready, baby. Yeah, get the Trans Am ready, man. You know, get ready to not receive any revenue from the ACC because they're going there. <laughs> but like, I mean, Brett Lashley is the greatest disciple of Gus Malzahn, who I've always thought was pretty good. Just hurry up and run. I feel like yeah. with Flashley, there's a little bit more tact offensively, and he's going to be yeah. a better, more evolved guy. But I think um, I think this is going to be kind of similar to what we saw with like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Maybe not to that degree. Maybe this is kind of more of like Tom Herman at uh, at Houston, maybe P.J. Fleck at um, Western Michigan, but albeit Western probably Michigan, much yeah. more, probably a much more likable human being. So low so bar got, once again, low bar. Once again, once again, low bar, but yeah, I've got I've got SMU winning the uh the group of five. So we're gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna go back and kind of give you guys a rehash of who we got and close this thing up, you know, send it in a little bit. Um yeah. so Big 12, Cody and I are the same. We both have the Texas Longhorns over the Kansas State Wildcats in the SEC. Cody has the Georgia Bulldogs over the LSU Tigers. I've got Georgia over the Alabama Crimson Tide. In the ACC, we're the same with the Florida State Seminoles over the Clemson Tigers. 
Uh, Big Ten, very different. Cody's got the Penn State Nittany Lions over the Wisconsin Badgers. I've got the Michigan Wolverines over the Iowa Hawkeyes out west. Uh, we both have the Washington Huskies winning, but Cody has the uh, UW beating the Oregon Ducks, whereas I have them beating the Oregon State Beavers. Out of the group of five, Cody likes the South Alabama Jaguars, whereas I like the SMU Mustangs. And I guess we'll finish with this. We have our four playoff teams and first two out. Let's just do this real quick. Okay, let's go. So uh, we'll go. We'll just go one through six. I've got Georgia, Florida State, Penn State, Texas. We're going wild with the top four. And then I have LSU, first team out because honorary SEC, and then Michigan at six. Okay. And I've got one Georgia, two Michigan, three Florida State, four Texas. My first two out are Washington five and Alabama at six. Okay. So I think we're in a grant. So we both have Georgia FSU in the national championship. Yeah, we do. And is it a three-peat? It's a three-peat, man. Let's go. Kirby's got this thing like your boy Kirby, you know, culture be damned. Uh, he's got this thing really uh, – really cooking down there and like it's just it's one of those things where like i think the best thing i've heard i believe it was bud elliott on the cover three podcast was he said that there were a lot of scouting people asking him did georgia just win a title and then they were in their rebuilding year which was last year kind of and and it's entirely possible that that just happened and now they're rebuilt and they're ready to just do it again <laughs> they might it all starts with the um Ty Simpson's dad's uh, UT Martin Skyhawks. Let's go dogs. <laughs> but yeah, man, hopefully you guys, your, uh, your heels win the Mayo bowl, the light, the Mayo light bowl. And uh, we take care of some Skyhawks, but yeah, this was a very good uh, first episode of false start. Uh, we're going to be coming to you twice a week. Usually we'd be coming to you on a Monday, but obviously with it being Labor Day and we want to see some fallout there from Clemson Duke, which we think is going to be a fantastic game, which is why it's not. Riley Leonard's a dude, y'all. If y'all don't yeah. know, like he can play. Texas A&M has been worse since Mike Elko left. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we're so excited to do this. We're going to have other guests from the Fan Side Network doing this podcast with us throughout the year. Um, this is going to be a more fan-involved sort of show, but we're trying to figure this out. You figure it out too. We're here for the. We're here for a good time, not a long time, except for this podcast. We're here until <laughs> we're going to keep the green dot going until the Lord tells us it's time to go. That's right, baby. This is false start. <laughs>